Hey everyone, happy 2023, it's Tyler. You're probably noticing I don't sound the same as I normally do, and that's because we finally decided to take a break, and we didn't release an episode last week, like you may have noticed, we're driving up north, and uh, we're gonna have a couple days to ourselves. Don't worry, my hands are on the wheel, Beck is actually sitting right beside me holding the microphone. So, we have had a pretty crazy 2022. I want to talk about some of the milestones we went over. Um, we have something planned for you in a little bit, which we hope is going to be fun. And yeah, let's let's talk about 2023. Actually, you know what? I can't even do that before I thank you, our listeners, because all the support that you've given us some of you have been with us like since the beginning and i gotta thank every single one of you for telling friends listening to the show supporting us on patreon following us on social media and even using the promo codes for our, our sponsors every little bit helps this show get produced and we wouldn't have it and we wouldn't be able to do it if it wasn't for you so thank you thank you so much so I hope everybody's holiday season was awesome, and I got to talk about some of the crazy things that happened last year. Well, maybe not that crazy, but it was pretty exciting for us. April 2022, travel restrictions were lifted. I was able to join my fellow podcasters at CrimeCon in Las Vegas, and not only was it the first time I was ever there, I got to see so many new people, listeners that we've talked to on social media and and people who support us and all of the new podcasters that you may have even heard in some of our episodes since CrimeCon, some of the people who I've talked to for ages over social media, phone calls, text, you know, like Heather Ashley, Big Matt True Crime, Leah from Least of These, Margo from Military Murder, Brandon from Music City 911, it was just an awesome time. And then, of course, my old pals that I've been doing CrimeCon with, you know, since, since we started podcasting. And not only was it cool to meet all the new podcasters, but I got to see all my old friends, like Aaron and Justin from Generation Y, the Captain and Nick from True Crime Garage, Mike Brown and Matt from Dark Poutine, Woody and Cindy from Real Life Real Crime, Jamie from Murderish, Erica Kelly from Southern Fried True Crime, and of course, Shane Waters from Foul Play. We've known these people for years and they have gone through so much with us and we've done a lot of episodes together. In fact, almost every single one of those people I named off have either been in one of our episodes or I've been on one of theirs. So aside from the podcasters, big things for me, Ryan, our head writer who's from New Zealand, got to join us, so he flew down. I got to meet him in person. I've been talking to him almost daily for years. And it was like, you know, just hanging out with a friend, but we got to do it in person. And Dr. Frizzani from many of our episodes who you've heard, she joined us as well. It was, it was, it was like we had our little group of friends at CrimeCon. It was so cool. As far as the show goes, last year we had our highest downloads we've ever had since we started. We were on the backs of buses. We were on billboards. We did some fun advertising campaigns. And probably the most exciting thing for me was we built our studio. I no longer 
have to worry about dogs running over my head, kids watching TV too loud. I've got my own space. I get to go in there, work when I want to, get my work done. It's been absolutely life-changing for me. And so we move into the studio and then like a few weeks later, our house floods. We had two floors completely destroyed and the studio used to be in the sub-basement of our house. I can't even imagine what it would have been like for us. But uh, yeah, we dodged a bullet on that one and, and now all the flood damage has been repaired and we're back into the house. We managed to move in the week before Christmas. So that was kind of a big deal for us because we got to spend the holidays at home. But something else that's been going on is we've been working for the last six months on a three-part series that we're going to release this year. And it is insane. Shane Waters from the Foul Play podcast, who was in our Redheaded Murders episodes, has been working with us. He has been digging up case files. We're talking like 183 pages at a time. Crazy information. It has spiraled into such an insane story. We even had CC Moore help us with some DNA information. This is going to be crazy and we can't wait to get it out. And last but not least, I have some exciting news and this is six years coming for me. Drum roll. Oh, we got a drum roll. Thank you, Beck. Starting February of this year, we are going weekly. I have been trying to make this happen for years and it finally has. That means every single week you're getting more madness. And for Patreon supporters, that's five episodes a month. And for the regular feed, two months out of the year, you'll get five in a month. So we really had to prepare ourselves for this to happen. It wasn't just going to happen overnight. We brought on six new writers and I've been working with two new editors to help get these shows produced on time. One of the really cool things about working with so many people is that not only are they all so incredibly talented, but they're pitching ideas that we hadn't even thought of. We're going to be covering a cult. We're going back into the 60s for, for an older case. And of course, we've got that three-part series that's coming up. It's going to be pretty exciting. But one thing we can guarantee will stay the same is the quality of our episodes. You're still getting the same madness, but we're going to change it up a little bit and have a few different other stories that we normally wouldn't cover. And without further ado, I want to tell you about what I'm about to play for you. A couple of years ago, we did this series called Deadly Misadventures. They're serious stories of survival, of people being put into crazy situations. But for the last episode, we wanted to do something just a little bit different. Essentially, it was a story we knew was complete BS. But it was such a fun story, using completely different styles of music and editing that we just don't do in true crime. Not only that, I co-hosted the podcast with Justin Evans from Generation Y. So that in itself was a huge deal for me because I was listening to Justin and Aaron's podcast way before I even thought about starting a podcast. Being able to produce this series with Justin was such a big deal for me. So you gotta you know, look at it from my perspective. Here's this new podcaster. I am talking to literally the godfathers of podcasting. These guys have been podcasting for 10 years. And now here I am actually talking about producing a series with one of the members of one of my absolute most favorite podcasts 
we do it, become great friends to the point he flew to Toronto to visit us and we had a mini vacation together. We went and spent a couple days out on our boat and went and did a meetup, went to some fun restaurants. This guy has been with me from my lowest moments in podcasting where I wanted to throw in the towel. It was just too stressful. I didn't know how to do it too. Some of the biggest moments for me when I'm seeing the show succeed, he's been a fantastic mentor, an incredible friend. And for me, that was absolutely one of the biggest highlights in podcasting. So Justin, if you're listening, I can't thank you enough for everything. You have been an incredible friend. So before we play this fun episode for you to listen to, I want to thank everyone for continuing to support the show, for interacting with us on social media. And if you aren't following us on social media, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, under The Minds of Madness, Facebook, searching The Minds of Madness Podcast, and of course our website at mindsofmadnesspodcast.com. And with that, here's the episode. A Croatian man named Frane Salak has got to be either the luckiest man alive or the unluckiest. Whether you're someone who sees the glass half full or half empty, Frane's glass has definitely been filled with deadly misadventures. Having narrowly escaped seven brushes with death, it would appear that although life doesn't seem to want Frank Salak, death won't have him either. In this tale of faulty planes, trains, and automobiles, you can decide if Frayne's survival was really a case of embellishment, or had it indeed all come down to luck. A roll of the dice in this episode of Deadly Misadventures. Frain Salak was born on June 14, 1929, in the former part of Yugoslavia, which is now known as Croatia. He was a music teacher by trade and a deadly misadventurer by night. He lived a mostly unremarkable life up until his 32nd year. In January 1962, while riding a commuter train, fate gave him his first glimpse at his future. This event told him that Fate wasn't really one of his biggest fans. In fact, Fate and Lady Luck were about to fight it out, and only one of them would walk away a winner. But let's get back to Frayn, who is either in the wrong place at the wrong time, or in the right place at the right time. It begins with Frayn on the midnight train to Georgia. I mean, he's on an afternoon train from Sarajevo to Dubrovnik, and he isn't traveling alone. He's traveling with his elderly grandmother, and they're about to go on the ride of their lives. It is this ride where Frayn has his first brush with death. It's a cold and rainy day when the train suddenly derailed from the track. There are several versions of the story, but our version has the train colliding with something on the tracks, which causes it to flip over several times before crashing into an icy river below. Able to keep his wits about him, Frayn managed to escape through a window, 
where he then battled the deadly fast-moving currents while also staving off hypothermia. But don't worry about Granny, because in the process of fighting for his own survival, he also managed to save his grandmother as well. Somehow, with a broken arm and an abundance of cuts and bruises, he was able to drag himself and his grandmother to the nearest riverbank. However, 17 of his fellow passengers weren't quite so lucky. They drowned before they could be pulled to safety. I would imagine Frayne was feeling pretty fortunate after that deadly encounter. The only way this story gets better is if Granny also had a basket filled with kittens. But for now, Frayne was a hero. But he was also cautious about what fate had in store. It was then and there that Frayne vowed to never travel by train again. Which is why it only makes sense that Frayne's next death-defying adventure would happen in an airplane. It would be just a year later, in 1963, we go from Frayne on a train to Frayne on a plane. This would be his next encounter with fate. His elderly mother was seriously ill, and time was of the essence, so air travel was his only option. Frayne needed to get himself from his current city, Zagreb, all the way to Rijeka, which was 165 kilometers away. Having never flown before, he was rightfully feeling nervous. However, when he arrived at the airport, the flight he needed was fully booked. A tearful Frayne explained to the attendant on duty that he needed to get to his sick mother as soon as possible. In what could be only described as either an act of compassion or malice, fate again intervened by way of a sympathetic flight attendant. She heard Frayne's predicament and agreed to allow him to sit next to her in the rear of the plane, generally only reserved for crew. Despite his nerves, the plane ride was fairly uneventful. That is, right up until the landing. One moment, Frayne was sipping tea, and the next, he was fighting for his life. As Frayne tells it, the plane began to descend, preparing for landing. However, in what can only be described as bad luck or utter bullshit, the plane door malfunctioned and was suddenly ripped away from the fuselage. With it went the flight attendant, who only moments before had just been sitting next to him. Before he could contemplate this turn of events, he too was sucked out of the plane. Due to the loss in cabin pressure, the pilot lost control and the plane crashed. In all, both pilots, two members of the flight crew, and 19 passengers all perished. Meanwhile, the mighty Frayne gently floated into a farmer's field where he landed on a pillow-soft bale of hay. He woke up in a hospital a few days later with only minor injuries. There, he was informed of the great news that his mother was feeling better. Having survived both a train and a plane crash, he must have been feeling like Croatia's version of Walter Mitty. Our friend, Frayn Salak, went from incredibly surviving a train crash to a plane crash. But the automobile doesn't come next, like you might expect. Instead, Frayn skips ahead to a bus. In 1966, 
Frayn once again was minding his own business when fate made its third appearance, but not its final attempt on his life. Frayn was riding a bus when all of a sudden it skidded off the road and, wait for it, it plunged into another fast-moving icy river. Because, of course it does. Reminiscent of Rasputin, the river can't kill Frayne either. He once again manages to survive the icy cold current and make it to shore. This time, he's all alone. He doesn't save any grandmothers or kittens. Sadly, four of his fellow passengers lost their battle with fate that day. You might be thinking that Frayne is just a guy who can't seem to catch a break or somehow caught the attention of the world's worst assassin. Either way, one thing's for certain. Public transportation wasn't working for him. And this is where the automobile comes in. Having barely escaped the decade of free love, Frayne enters the 1970s with higher hopes for his future. This time, Frayne has wisely chosen to travel by car. However, as Frayne is driving down one of the many scenic roads in his native Croatia, he begins to experience car trouble. While hearing noises that might be alarming to most drivers, Frayne was feeling invincible, the master of his own fate. By now, he had survived a train crash, a plane crash, and a bus crash. What could come next? Well, fate told Frayne to hold its beer because it had an answer for him. As the mile markers passed, his engine started smoking, and not a little smoke, but more like the engine is about to blow up in your face kind of smoke. Frayne pulled over to the side of the road, and within seconds of his miraculous exit, his fuel tank and his car blew up right in front of his face. Hospital staff are quite familiar with Frayne. With his usual cuts, scrapes, and bruises, swims through icy rivers, he was released the same day and told again how lucky he was to be alive. By this point, all of Frayne's family, friends, and neighbors had vowed to never travel with him. Frayne had now endured several misadventures, as well as a few marriages along the way. But apparently, he still hadn't seemed to learn his lesson when it came to his choices of modes of transportation. Isn't the definition of insanity when someone knowingly makes the same mistakes over and over again? Or was Frayne just the ultimate gambler, a sucker for leaving it all? Up to chance. Now, at this point in our story, I think Frayne should stay home more. Also, the 70s aren't going any better for Frayne than the decade of free love. But there is good news, and that is that Frayne bought himself a new car. The bad news is he bought a lemon. In 1973, Frayne was Again, driving his new car and enjoying some 1970s pop tunes. Or maybe it was some of that disco stuff. Because while the 70s were known for some horrible fashion choices, they more than made up for it by embracing the glitter of glam and disco. Now, we aren't sure if he was listening to Staying Alive by the Bee Gees or 
I Will Survive by Gloria Gaynor. But what we do know is that his new car had air conditioning. For most of us, this would be considered a luxury feature. But for Frayn, it's just another avenue leading to possibilities of death. Frayn's new car was called the Skoda, which you could think of as Croatia's version of the Ford Pinto. Again, Frayn is out driving, minding his own business, when his fuel pump in his new car malfunctions. Usually, fuel pumps explode in James Bond movies and not on scenic drives taken by music teachers. But hold that thought. Frayn's faulty fuel pump causes his engine to become doused in hot oil, which happens to start an engine fire. Unfortunately for Frayn, it was a hot day, and he was also enjoying his car's AC on high blast. Predictably, the flame from the engine compartment came through the air vents, shooting bursts of flames into his face. Other than complete hair loss, he will survive this strange twist of fate also. Despite losing his hair, things surprisingly began to look up for good old Frayn. In fact, he managed to spend the entire decade of the 80s avoiding any close calls with death. But unfortunately, Frayn's good fortune was about to run out. This time, he'd literally be thrown under the bus. By 1995, Frayn has figured out that he should stick to walking everywhere. Clearly, motorized travel is not for him. While he continues to be unlucky with regards to transportation, his love life also appears to be extremely unlucky. Frayn is working on his fourth marriage, and one might believe his ex-wives might know a thing or two about tampering with engines. It also seems that Lady Luck has turned a blind eye once again towards our friend Frayn. Because as he's practicing his best pedestrian moves, a bus, yes, a city bus, loses control and it's heading straight for our favorite pedestrian. However, by some minor miracle, and the quick ninja-like reflexes of our 65-year-old Croatian music teacher, Frayn managed to jump out of the way at the last moment, avoiding being crushed underneath the metal behemoth. He has a few new bruises and scrapes, and a unique story to tell at cocktail parties. All in all, a pretty good outcome, all things considered. By this point in our fantastical story, you're probably thinking, that's gotta be it. One individual couldn't possibly encounter that many brushes with death and live to tell the tale. But oh no, there's still more. Over the course of his life, Frayn somehow managed to survive planes, trains, automobiles, buses, terrible assassins, mechanically inclined ex-wives. But that wasn't enough. What happens next is what action-packed movies are made of. Once again, Frayn is in an automobile, this time a convertible. Oh, and he's not wearing a seatbelt, because why would he? It's not like he's accident-prone or anything, although it has become clear that the Grim Reaper isn't really interested in his company right now. So that allows Frayn to throw caution to the wind. 
He's once again minding his own business on a scenic drive through the windy mountain roads of Croatia. Just as he drives around a steep curve, he encounters, of all things, a United Nations truck filled with UN peacekeepers. And these peacekeepers are apparently also reckless drivers. In fact, their truck is in his lane, headed straight for Frayn's convertible. In case you weren't keeping track, Frayn is now 66 years old and has the same cat-like reflexes and possibly the same number of lives. So of course, as his car loses control and is headed for the guardrail, fate steps in once again. And the guardrail that's supposed to save lives fails. I'm sure we all saw that coming. Of course, his convertible plunges over the cliff where it plummets 300 feet down before landing in a gorge with icy rivers and explodes into spectacular flames. But fate rolls the dice, and this round goes to Frayne. Because this time, he doesn't have to swim through icy waters. It seems our senior citizen with the moves of a gymnast managed to jump out of his careening vehicle with the timing of a NASCAR driver and grabbed onto a tree branch. Frayne hung around waiting for someone to give him a handout, which apparently happens because things finally begin looking up. No pun intended. While it's clear that Frayne was incredibly lucky to have survived so many brushes with death, he was also fortuitous in a way that most people actually hope for. In 2003, just two days before his 73rd birthday, Fortune smiled on Frayn Salak when he won his country's version of the lottery. He won the U.S. dollar equivalent of $1.1 million. Frayn Salak told the Associated Press that it was the first time he's ever purchased a lottery ticket, and he had just felt lucky that day. When his winnings became public knowledge, his story did too. This is when he acquired the label of the luckiest unluckiest man in the world. His claims of cheating death came under scrutiny, especially when some of his claims could not be supported by official records kept by the Aviation Commission or the Transportation Authority. The truth is that his wild claims of death-defying accidents cannot be independently verified through public records. In fact, there are no official records of any of his misfortunes including those involving modes of public transportation. Some have thought maybe his dates were fuzzy, or some of the details, and others have come right out and accused him of being a liar. But for Frayn, he doesn't mind, because he knows the truth. To this day, he swears all his claims are valid. However, someone claiming to be Salak's son publicly commented on an article featuring his father's claims. Now, this is a direct quote with all of its typos. He stated... Another media that copied all those lies. Photos are fake, and none of that happened to my father, except for a couple minor car accidents. After winning that jackpot, my dad, who dreamed of fame all his life, has found and paid local journalists to write about amazing life full of close encounters with death. Some foreign correspondences in Croatia copied the story without checking any evidence or proofs. Internet picked it up, and Croatian Baron Munchausen was born. Old man makes you journalists all fools. 
Whether you believe his tall tales of brushes with death or not is for you to decide. But what we know is after Frayn won the lottery, he did indeed marry his girlfriend, making her his fifth and final wife. He also purchased a luxury vacation property on a private island, a speedboat, and upgraded his primary Croatian residence. Now that his life was just beginning, he intended to live it to its fullest and enjoy his retirement years. But Frayn's past claims of death-defying accidents started to take on a life of their own on the internet. Frayn continued to insist his stories were true. At one point, he believed demons were after him. But later he stated, God watches over me and the devil taunts somebody else. After spending a lifetime of cheating death, he declared after winning the lottery, he felt his life was just beginning. As for the previous marriages, he stated, I guess all the earlier marriages were disasters too. As Frayn's internet life went viral, Frayn discovered that his life was being exploited when an animator with a YouTube channel entitled This and That Visuals believed his story was worthy of a three-minute cartoon version of his life. The video was entitled The Luckiest, Unluckiest Man to Ever Live. It has over three million hits on his YouTube channel. And according to Frayn, he gets many of the facts wrong. He was most unhappy with the way his physical likeness was portrayed. He stated he was not impressed, and the Americans have no idea. They drew a mustache on me and mixed up all my accidents. Maybe they will earn big money while I live on a pension. At least send me a few thousand dollars. Now, I know the story has been a little on the unbelievable side, and as we stated, many details of his accidents cannot be independently verified or corroborated. But what we can verify is our ending. You're probably asking yourself, why is a lottery winner living on a pension? Well, just when you thought this story couldn't get any bigger or unbelievable, it does. In 2010, the man who allegedly cheated death seven times and then beat the odds again winning the lottery decided to give away his fortune. Frayn ultimately decided that, quote, money cannot buy happiness. I agree with him there. He said the decision was very freeing and felt right. It seems Frayn was most thankful for the simple things in life. He said, all I need at my age is my Katerina. Money would not change anything. When she arrived, I knew then that I really did have a charmed, blessed life. He clarified by stating, I never thought I was lucky to survive all my brushes with death. I thought I was unlucky to have been in them in the first place. But you can't tell people what they don't want to believe. So there you have it. Proof that money cannot buy happiness. Frayn went back to living a frugal lifestyle. He sold his luxury home on a private island, and he gave away most of his fortune to friends and family. He and Katerina moved back to their modest home. He kept just enough money to pay for his hip replacement operation so he could continue living an active lifestyle. Because you never know when you might need to swim through an icy river. Frayn also intended to build a shrine to the Virgin Mary to thank her for his lifetime filled with luck, but most importantly, filled with love. Some have said Frayn Salak is the luckiest, unluckiest guy around, while others believe it's been his guardian angel all along, battling the devil for his soul. 
Regardless, Frayn's just grateful for every extra day he's been given. And of course, thankful for the love of a good woman. Whether these misadventures were born from the fanciful imagination of Croatia's version of Walter Mitty meets James Bond, or whether Frayn's ex-wives just happened to be mechanically inclined grudge holders, well, we'll never really know for sure. What we do know is that Frayn Salak has lived a long and astonishing life well into his 90s and is still going strong today.